This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. The weekend is almost here. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. Sean Kelly with you from Studio B at the Oshawa Sports Performance Center. We'll talk Pelicans and Saints, of course, today, even though the Saints are off this weekend. I bet a lot of you have big plans as there are so many festivals and uh, get-togethers around town when the Saints have their bye week. They go into, obviously, this weekend with that record of 2-2. and There's been a lot of news off the field for the Saints all week long. We've got some good guests talk about that, and we'll add another one today in Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. He is here to kind of give his state of the Saints after the first quarter of the season and to discuss some of these personnel moves that we saw John Greco come into the fold this week. Looks like John Hughes uh, is rejoining the Saints as a defensive lineman. Unfortunately, we've had the sad news about Zach Streif and John Kuhn. All that to be discussed here by myself and Mr. Triplett shortly. Pelicans are in action this week on the or this weekend rather on the road. Preseason games two and three. Uh, tonight, they will take on the Oklahoma City Thunder up in Oklahoma City. Daniel Salerson will have the radio call on that. More details before we finish up on this Friday. And then Sunday, the road trip ends at Chicago. Yes, they're playing the Bulls again, this time at the United Center with a 6 p.m. tip-off between New Orleans and Chicago. Last night on the Alvin Gentry radio show, we asked Coach Gentry what he hopes to see from the Pelicans here over this two-game preseason road trip. Well, the big thing is transition uh, defense. You know, I think we've got to get back and get matched up. And it's not so much giving up layups. Uh, it's more so of, uh, of, of being able to get back and, and, and lock into your man so that we're not scrambling and they're getting open three-point shots. So that's the, that's the big thing. And, and one of the habits we've got to break is that, you know, our big guys are so used to running back to protecting the paint. Well, you know, now they're guarding uh, guys that are spotting up at the three-point line. So we've got to get them – Sprinting back, but we also got to get them to find their man in transition. Is there like a number one rule in trying to accomplish those things? Well, I think the number one is that on the rise of the shot, we got to start sprinting back. Mm -hmm. And then we got to talk a little bit more than we did so that we get matched up. Offensively, Coach, what would you like to see improvement in? I think we got to have a little more ball movement. I thought we had it in the first quarter. We had 10 assists in the first quarter, but we only had 13 in the next three quarters. So, uh, you know, I'd like to see us in a position where – you know, we're at that, we have this formula where we go 25, 25, 25, where, you know, if you get 25 assists and 25 foul shots and 25 layups, then you should win the game. Not necessarily makes, but, you know, uh, 25 layups at the basket. So uh, we'll see how that all works out. But uh, <clears throat> like I said, there was a lot of good things that came out of that. Uh, and then there was things that were uh, great to put together as far as teaching points. All right, Coach, we'll visit with Daniel Sowerson, of course, before the game tonight as well during Pelicans warm-up. And since the Pelicans are taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight, we're going to learn more about the Thunder. We have to because they look a lot different than they did uh, last season. Of course, Russell Westbrook is there, but they've added Paul George and now Carmelo Anthony. And to give us kind of the preseason report on the Thunder, we'll uh, finish up our show today with a visit uh, up in Oklahoma City with Brett Dawson, who covers the Thunder for the Oklahoman newspaper and the uh, NewsOK.com website. So stay with us. Plenty to go. Mike Triplett, go over some Saints stuff for you in just a moment.
There are plenty of good reasons to attend the Sanderson Farms Championship. About 150,000 good reasons. Batson Children's Hospital, part of Children's of Mississippi, averages 150,000 patient visits a year. And each year, proceeds from the championship support these patients by donating to Friends of Children's Hospital. Last year, the championship raised over $1 million for Friends. So join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship, October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson. Good reason for a great time. 50 years ago, a groovy new golf gig first teed off in Mississippi. The tournament now known as the Sanderson Farms Championship. To celebrate, join us October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson for first-class golf, waves of fun, and 100% natural Sanderson Farms chicken, all to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. Don't miss this 50th anniversary celebration. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised earlier in the week, we here on this Friday are most pleased to welcome our good friend Mike Triplett from ESPN.com covering the New Orleans Saints beat. Mike, do we call that, what do you guys call that, NFL Nation? NFL Nation. NFL Nation. There you go. One of us in every, uh, every within it, entrenched with every NFL team. Well, we're glad that you're entrenched with this NFL team, to say the least. Um, how was London? Did you enjoy your trip at the UK? Yes, I'm still uh, uh, just now probably getting back on my uh, regular sleep schedule. But uh, uh, it was great. Uh, fall weather. Had to fly across to another continent to experience a week of fall weather, which I like. Um, and... Uh, you know, didn't get out too much, but uh, Saturday walked around quite a bit, and it's a lovely city. I like my games a little. I like my travel a little closer to home during the football season, but I can do that once every eight years, I think. Yeah, I guess so, and I guess the Saints aren't complaining a whole lot about the travel either, since they basically had a two-game sweep of their road trip and find themselves at two and two during this bye week. Pretty remarkable, Mike, when you think back to how the Saints looked in their first two games of the season. It's it's amazing. Look, I mean, we've been covering the Saints for a long time, Sean, and, and we're used to sort of some wild inconsistency. I mean, that's the one thing they've been that's been a constant for them for the last four or five years is that they look like they can beat anybody in a given game and then um, you know totally drop a dud in another game. But the drastic swing from how bad those first two games were to how good those last two games were especially on defense is is probably something i have not seen in in all these years covering them even when they've had the highs and lows on defense we'll get to zach streif speaking of lows we'll get to zach streif and john coon in a moment but mike looking back now at the body of work laid out so far by the saints um what has been fixed what still needs to be fixed in in their case well there's obvious, you know, I mean, if, if if we couldn't believe the first two games were real, we can't believe the last two games were real either. I think we'll still see growing things on defense, especially in that young secondary. I mean, it's amazing that they're starting. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore and, and Marcus Williams are like are both 21 years old, and, and Ken Crawley has now got seven career starts under his belt. Um, and even Kenny Vaccaro, the veteran of that group, has has – been really inconsistent and struggled at the beginning of the year um so i think we'll still see some highs and lows from them um i think they need to see sheldon rankins and alex okafor bring more consistent pass rush 
up front like they did against the Miami Dolphins and, and run stuffing ability that they've both shown. Um, so I think there'll be highs and lows in that group. We don't know the extent of Alex Anzalone's injury for sure at linebacker. Um, and they're going to be tested in these next two against Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. But I do feel like they've probably weathered the storm. Uh, they could have really uh, packed it in after those first two games. That could have been more than just a humbling experience. That could have been, you know, a confidence buster. And, and the fact that they showed the resilience that they did to come back and, and play as well as they did the last two games, I think is a really positive side. I agree. I also think, Mike, and, and Sean Payton sometimes calls this, you know, winning football. Drew Brees would call it complimentary football sometimes. But, Mike, it seems like at least in the last two weeks, and, and even when they were struggling in the first two weeks, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot a great deal. They, you know, they haven't turned the ball over. They've actually taken advantage yeah. of some takeaways, things that we haven't seen them put together in even the last couple of seasons. Well, and look, credit them for that, but also they've had a little luck uh, go their way. There was that play against the Dolphins where the shotgun snap sailed over Breeze's head and Mark Ingram dove on it and squirted through his legs, and then Tommy Lee Lewis dove on it and squirted out of his arms, and then Breeze landed on it. If Miami takes over on the 50 and turns that into a, you know, a gifted touchdown drive or something, then who knows? Uh, we've seen bad things happen to the Saints like that in recent years. Last year, they had the second most one-score games in the NFL and, and lost like eight of them. Uh, and, and block kicks returned for touchdowns in, in half of those, uh, uh, or two-point conversions. So uh, sometimes you need a little luck, too, and, and sometimes that gets you rolling and, and believing. So, uh, so far, all these things that have gotten them back into the season, now they're back into the season, and, and we'll find out what they do with the opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think you used the words uh, the word reboot the other day, and I loved it. I thought you were dead yeah. on. Um Hey, let's get back to the news about Zach Streif and John Kuhn. Two guys. Yeah, by that the I, way, the only reason I used reboot is because I didn't know if all my readers like had the, the video game systems that I had, where you had like your video games not going that well, and you go and you push the restart button, like on the Nintendo. Oh, <laughs> I, I am old enough to remember that. Yes, yes, I am of the rebooting age. Sometimes I could reboot myself. That'd be kind of nice to do. Um, that's for sure. Mike, let's go. Let's let's go to this John Kuhn, Zach Streif situation. First of all, I was sad because I really like both of those guys, um, and on top of that, I yeah. thought they were significant contributors to the Saints. So, normally during a bye week, it's all quiet, but not the case this week. Obviously, with those two injuries. Well, yeah. First of all, Zach Streif, the media's in trouble. I don't. I don't know how we're going to be able to survive eight weeks without Zach Streif. Hopefully, he's still required to stay in the locker room and talk to us uh, every week, even uh, even while rehabbing from his injury, because he's been our go-to guy for a long time for perspective on this team and honest answers. Uh, but you're absolutely right, uh, both those guys. Really good guys. Now, Coon, you know, right or wrong, you feel like they can move on without Coon because, you know, they even kept him active in week two when he was healthy, and, and the fullback obviously plays a minor role on this team. Uh, they re-signed Zach Line. He could play a little bit. Their tight ends can sometimes play fullback. But, yeah, that's, it'll still be a downgrade, obviously, from how well Coon played last year. Streif, on the other hand, he's, he's going to be really hard to replace because uh, even though he's been around forever, he played outstanding last year. He, uh, he, I think, had the second or third best year of his entire career, held up against Von Miller and Khalil Mack, and, and really was an underappreciated uh 
uh, standout year last year. The, the only good thing about the timing of his injury is that he goes down right as Teron Armstead was finally coming back. And I think Teron Armstead will be ready to start at left tackle. And Ryan Ramchek, who's now had four games of being thrown into the fire, will will move over to right tackle kind of permanently. So at least you have backup options. It doesn't mean it would be a lot better if you had a fully healthy Teron Armstead and a fully healthy Zach Streif all summer and all season long. Um, that would be one of the better tackle duos in the league. But uh, at least now you've, you know, you've, you've got a tailor-made backup option that's not perfect, but it's better than what most teams might be dealing with under the same circumstances. I, I agree. I, you know, it's remarkable to me, Mike, that 13 months ago, um, basically Ryan Ramchek was playing his first ever Division One football game, and what he's been able huh. to do here as a rookie, it it just blows me away. Maybe, maybe I just haven't been around long enough to be shocked in the way that I am, but that's pretty amazing. No, you're exactly right. I mean, um, and you can say the thing about their other first round draft pick, Marshawn Lattimore, who really only started one full year at Ohio State. Um, <laughs> two guys. Two guys that that by the end of the season will have more NFL starts than they ever had Division One college starts. <laughs> it is amazing. Mike Triplett here from ESPN.com. Mike, you touched on the fact that coming out of the bye week here, uh, it is not going to be easy, and not for the faint of heart either, with Detroit and then Green Bay. Uh, arguably two of the top five teams in the NFL, probably because they have two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Wasn't wasn't this supposed to get easier after that first four for the New Orleans Saints? Well, it does at, at some point. It's, it's funny because, I mean, the schedule, obviously, you never know what you're going to get out of the schedule. Teams never end up being what you think they're going to be. Um, but, uh, man, when the schedule first came out in April, and I thought the Saints were going to be pretty good this year, and Toronto Armstead was still healthy, and Nick Fairley was still healthy, and Delvin Bro was still healthy, I picked the Saints to start 0-3 because of the schedule and finish 9-7 and because of the, the schedule got so much easier down the stretch. It doesn't happen yet, but it does happen eventually um, when, when they have a home game against Chicago and a home game against the Jets and a road game against Buffalo. Um, you know, that road trip to the Rams seems a lot more difficult. But the schedule is not going to be what knocks them out this season. There, there's not an impossible road that they can't get through this year. But this is the NFL. A home game against Detroit is not a freebie. Uh, that's as, as tough as anything. So uh, you still got to show up for all of them. One and one. Would you take a split of those two games, Mike? Would that be okay? Well, I'll tell you what. I said a couple weeks ago before they were going at Carolina and to London to face Miami that, that the Saints had to end up going two and two over the next four uh, to salvage their season, and they started two and zero, so they've already done it. <laughs> um, so absolutely, one one and one against those two teams uh, would uh, would be great. You're right because I mean the one you think you should get is the home game against Detroit coming off a bye, um, and there you go. Then you can afford maybe a loss at Green Bay, which is a tough task. But if you if you flip it, if they lose to Detroit and they're down in the dumps a little bit, what better way to <laughs> to get back to things than a surprising win at Green Bay. So either either order, one and one, would do a lot for this team. Fair. Cool. Uh, Mike, hey, before I let you go, no Saints game, obviously, to cover this weekend. Is there a game in particular that you will stop and watch, even in a weekend where you'll probably try and find some family time? 
You know what? I have not looked at it. First of all, I'm a big Cubs guy, so that's where my uh, focus will be on the, the Cubs uh, playoff run, even though we're totally playing with house money this year. I've already become one of those fans. Um, but uh, one thing is funny that I know in reverse about the NFL schedule, because we're in one of these friendly survivor pools, I do know that the Jets are playing the Browns and the Niners are playing the Colts. So all those teams you normally pick against are all playing each other. So I can tell you a couple of games that I probably won't be focused on this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, two of those teams will end up with a win this weekend. I guess you have that yeah. to look. Yeah, right. <laughs> it might be the Jets. All of a sudden they're a juggernaut. Uh, well, that's true. Just ask, yeah, Miami and, yeah, mm-hmm. Um, very good. <laughs> you and I were doing so well together until you brought up the Cubs thing. I still like you, but hey. it's one little thing, just a little ding on let the paint. Me, let me tell you, that drought will end for the St. Louis Cardinals one day. <laughs> Let's see. You've got two, right? <laughs> you need nine more. <laughs> and at the rate the Cardinals are going, you'll get there quickly. So. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Mike, great to talk to you. I appreciate you checking in with us on a bye week of Friday. And uh, have a great weekend. And we'll, of course, see you next week when it gets hot and heavy again. All right. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thank you. Mike Triplett, ESPN.com. Check him out there. Uh, on that Saints beat, it is a must-read, obviously. And a must-watch, too. You can see him on television and on the digital media videos. We'll continue in just a moment. In 1907... Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. You may remember our next guest is uh, Brett Dawson, Pelicans beat reporter. First time in New Orleans. We really liked his work, and then he up and left. So there's that. But we'll have him back anyway because now he covers the Oklahoma City Thunder for the Oklahoma. Good to talk to you, Brett. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to, good to be back. I still have. Pe- I miss those days in New Orleans. And, and I still have people ask me where you are and why you left, and they hated to see you go, and, and that's been several years now. Come on. It's one year. One year almost to the day. Is it really just one year? Uh, like, yeah, I think it's been a year and uh, about a year and ten days maybe, something like that. Wow. And then you go off to Oklahoma City and you cover an unbelievable season with Russell Westbrook, and now they're going to reshape that roster even some more. It's It seems to be a nonstop – a uh, fun story, at least in Oklahoma City these days, Brett. It is. It wasn't much of an offseason. I mean, we, we had a nice gap there, um, you know, in terms of not, not nice for the fans. They, they lost early in the playoffs. So there was a quiet time, and, and we kind of expected, you know, they're going to make some changes. Uh, we knew they weren't going to stand pat with the team that they had. 
But you looked at the assets and you thought, well, you know, they probably don't have enough to make a major, major move. Um, and so then, of course, they just end up making two because that's what Sam Presti does. And so, you know, you get Paul George in at the very end of June, right before the free agency period opens. They kind of make that blockbuster trade. And then you think, you know, pretty much that's going to be it. And you think, what a great summer uh, for them. And then uh, they're able to kind of sneak in at the 11th hour on Carmelo Anthony, who everybody thought was not going to put them on the list of, of teams he would approve a trade to. And then suddenly – he did, and, and really almost the minute he did, that thing got set in motion and was done. Brett, what is the most underreported aspect of that story? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I think the, the thing that's sort of interesting about it, I think Paul George has, has played such a big part in that. What, what's interesting and what's hard to get a real straight answer on is just how much Russell Westbrook was kind of pushing him to come here. That has not been Westbrook's M.O. He is not a guy who goes to guys and says, I want to work with you. Now, Paul George said uh, that they both did that, but but I think Paul George was kind of leading the way. And Carmelo Anthony sort of said, look, you know, he and Russell have a pre-existing relationship. Um, they've known each other for years. They played on an Olympic team together. They're both Jordan brand guys. Um, so they have all the – and they, they both have an interest in fashion. They've hung out at Fashion Weeks in, in Paris and New York. Um, but he, as he said, Russell's not – he doesn't do the convincing. That's not really his move. So um, th- that part of it is sort of intriguing to me, just how much – uh, and, it, and it's hard to get a straight answer of that, just how much Russell was willing to say, we need you uh, come play here, because that has just really not been his move over the course of his career. The Pelicans take on the Thunder in preseason basketball action on Friday night. Brett Dawson covering the Thunder for the Oklahoman is our guest. Brett, what does Russell Westbrook's new Supermax deal do to the future of this this newly formed core? Well, it keeps the Thunder relevant. Uh, that's the one thing. It's it's a, it's a kind of an amazing through line. I mean, he was a rookie the first year the franchise played in Oklahoma City, and now he's locked in for six more seasons, which will be the bulk of his career, if not the entirety. I mean, he still at that age would, would have some basketball left in him, uh, in, you would think. Um, so it certainly stabilizes the franchise as like a relevant uh, you know, NBA franchise, which it has been almost from the moment it got here. Um, you know, really, that that first team had a three and twenty nine start, and then after that, really picked up and was pretty good in the second half of the year. And I think everybody knew at that time that that the Thunder was coming up. Um, so it, it stabilizes a franchise that's really had a remarkable run for the duration of its existence here. But I think more than anything, it gives Carmelo Anthony and Paul George something to think about. And both those guys talked a little bit, Melo a little bit, Paul George at length about what that could mean for them. You know, it's it's been very well documented when Paul George was traded. Uh, that part of the reason for that trade is his his agent his agent had made it clear he wanted to be in Los Angeles. He planned to opt out after the end of this season and become a free agent, and the Lakers were the preferred destination. And I think everybody believes that to be the case, that the Lakers have been the preferred destination. But since he got here, he's talked a lot about the fact that, you know, the, the importance of winning, of being in a stable situation where he feels like he's going to be able to win uh, regularly and consistently. Uh, he likes the things that the Thunder has done to kind of build this around Westbrook. And he said the fact that Westbrook is committed to it and is locked in, he views him as a guy who has similar desires and similar values in terms of being a player and what he wants out of a team. So, you know, he said it's going to make it an easier decision. He stressed easier, uh, not easy, uh, but an easier decision. And, and whether that's some of Paul George's giving lip service and, and saying what he thinks fans want to hear or whether that's a legitimate thing that may really sway him, I do think the Thunder feels a lot better about going into next summer with Westbrook locked up as they try to pursue George than they would have the other way. Indeed, indeed. Hey, Brett, uh, obvious obvious here with regard to the, the talents of, of Anthony and, and George and Westbrook, what else are the 
Thunder trying to figure out here during this training camp uh, in order to, you know, put themselves near the top of the West, which is so loaded? Yeah, well, almost everything else. I mean, they're still trying to figure out a lot. And, and they've got, you know, Westbrook hasn't played yet. They've only played one preseason game, and he didn't play, but he's been limited in practice. He had a, a, a platelet-rich plasma PRP injection in his left knee. That's something he typically does, he said, in the summer. It got pushed back a little bit this year by kind of a crazy summer. Uh, he and his wife had a baby in May. He won the MVP. Uh, he was in Paris. He was in China. He did a lot of different things, and so the PRP injection just got pushed back. Uh, he says he's fine. The team says he's fine, and that he'll be back whenever he's ready to be 100% back. He went to full contact practice this week for the first time. So he's getting closer. Uh, but they've also they've played a scrimmage and an exhibition game without Alex Abrinas, who is going to be – Abrinas really had his breakout game in New Orleans. People might remember last year, had a great game down there, uh, had an 18-point game that was really his first kind of coming out game. Um, and then Patrick Patterson, those guys you know, who they acquired from, uh, as a free agent, was in Toronto last year. Those guys are going to be rotation pieces. And so they haven't really gotten any sense of their rotations yet, uh, how they're going to play, um, when they might sub out Melo, when they might sub out Paul George. Uh, who's going to play more with the second unit? You know, um, how are they going to defend certain things uh, with, with different personnel packages? Uh, what their backup center situation looks like? Jeremy Grant is going to play there some. He's an undersized guy. Patrick Patterson's probably going to play there some. They've got a whole bunch of moving parts to figure out. And, and even with the big three, there's still some stuff about how the ball's going to move, who wants the ball in what spots on the floor. And all of that stuff is going to be really hard to get ironed out until Westbrook is back and even until those other two guys are back. So they got a lot of questions, and they may get to, to the season opener with, with some of these kind of lingering. Yeah, I think a lot of teams are in that same boat, maybe the Pelicans included. I think so. Uh, Brett, last thing, real quick. Does Westbrook play against the Pelicans, or is it too soon? It's probably too soon to say. Um, they're not practicing, uh, as, as we record this, not practicing today, and then he'll be reevaluated. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, he's getting closer. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if he plays, but uh, they, they've they've given every indication that they will be very conservative with him, as you'd expect. Um, they don't feel any need to rush him back. They'd like to get some of these rotation things ironed out and 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 get some of that chemistry and rhythm stuff happening. But uh, uh, you know, ultimately, they would go into the regular season trying to solve those things if they needed to. They're not going to play Westbrook in a preseason game just for the sake of doing it. I wouldn't do it. And there's no way, Brett. Uh, as always, great to talk to you. We miss you and your work around here. All the best this coming season to you in Oklahoma City. Thank you, Sean. Can't wait to see everybody. All right, Pelicans and Thunder tonight, preseason game number two. Should be a good one. 7 o'clock up in Oklahoma City. 6.30 is our pregame coverage on the Pelicans radio network. 7 o'clock tip-off. You'll be able to watch the live stream. I think that's the that's the plan here uh, with the radio call on top of that or embedded into the uh, live stream. Uh, check out pelicans.com for more details regarding that uh, special uh, streamcast or whatever you want to call it. We'll go with the radio broadcast tonight and look forward to Daniel Salerson on the call. And then Diesel and I will be in action together on Sunday when the uh, Pelicans wrap up the trip against the Bulls. And next week, back into it with the Saints. Ooh, how about this for the next two weeks? Lions and Packers. Oh, my. My goodness. Thanks to Brett Dawson today for joining us. Head coach Alvin Gentry and... Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. Hope you all have a great weekend. Let's hope the weather holds uh, in our favor. And otherwise, stay safe, everybody. And we'll talk to you on Monday with a full Pelicans road trip recap and a start to a new conversation for the Saints 
and the Detroit Lions. Take care, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time here on the Black and Blue Report.